0: Hello, friends. You probably weren't expecting to hear from me just yet. Welcome to a very special one-off episode of the My Possible Self podcast. My Possible Self is a mental health and wellness app that uses clinically certified content to help you improve your thoughts, feelings and behaviour. And this topic, exploring sexuality and mental health, is something that I have wanted to cover Since I joined the company, yes, we are releasing it during Pride Month when it is at the forefront of conversations. But as I mentioned, it is something I personally have wanted to talk about for quite some time. I'm going to start by reading you an extract from mentalhealth.org.uk. Mental health problems such as depression, self-harm, alcohol and drug abuse and suicidal thoughts can affect anyone but they're more common among people who are LGBTQIA+. Being LGBTQIA+, doesn't cause these problems, but there are some things those who identify within this community go through that can affect their mental health, such as discrimination, homophobia or transphobia, social isolation, rejection and difficult experiences of coming out. And please, can we stress, it's important to note that embracing being LGBTQIA can and does and will have a positive effect on somebody's well-being too. It might mean they have more confidence, a sense of belonging to a community, feelings of relief and self-acceptance and better relationships with friends and family. So before we get going... I'm going to highlight that this isn't just an episode for somebody who identifies as LGBTQIA+. This is an episode for everyone. Now, I always thought somebody who has a lot of friends within the community and has a lot of love and actively supports the LGBTQIA crew that this was probably enough. And actually, yeah, it's a great start. But as you're about to hear, there is so much more we can do. The heroes of this story today are Charlie King, reality TV star, personal trainer, mental health advocate, social media influencer, and all-round lovely guy, and Chloe Davis, who is a fierce and fabulous businesswoman who has a line of credits that would rival Oprah. (laughs) Not quite, but nearly. She is just a kick-ass businesswoman busy mum of two and an absolute inspiration i cannot wait for you to get to know them better so sit back and get ready to learn so much about sexuality and mental health Thank you very much to both of you for being on the My Possible Self podcast. This is a one-off episode. It was one of the first topics that I wanted to do when I joined My Possible Self about 10 months ago. So, yes, we're acknowledging it's Pride Month, but in terms of, like, exploring sexuality and mental health, the two are so intrinsically linked I've been wanting to cover this for a while so let's do a quick introduction of of who you both are and then we can we can get stuck in. So welcome first of all Charlie King, Uh, you are a reality TV star, social media influencer, personal trainer and mental health ambassador. I'm going to jump straight in To the fact that you came out as gay on TV to Philip Schofield on this morning This was 11 years ago, I see you both smiling You rose to fame at the time you, I think you'd recently been on The Only Way Is Essex That's how you first sort of became um, in the public eye And you said you never knew where you belonged and where you fit in when you were filming TOWIE How do you feel now? Like
1: looking back. Well, firstly, I feel I belong, and um, it's actually only been about seven years since I came out. I came out when I was
0: oh, sorry, got my 29. dates wrong. Just, that's
1: all right. But just yeah, so just coming up to being thirty, and I'm thirty-seven this summer. And uh, yeah, the the process up until until then was a very tricky journey for me, and that was very much because I never really knew who I was. And to be honest, for a big part of my adolescence and through my 20s, I genuinely thought I was just nothing. I felt like I just existed. It was a weird autopilot situation that I found myself in. And it wasn't that I was in denial of who I was. It was more the fact that I just didn't feel anything. I felt void. And um, it was really hard because when you don't really feel like you're uh, developing the way you should, you end up... You know, you can start being very, very hard on yourself or start thinking there's something very, very wrong with you and it mm. can take you down some very dangerous paths, to be honest.
0: Well, well, a follow-up question I was going to ask was I saw a clip on YouTube of you on The Only Ways Essex saying to some of the guys, I am categorically not a gay man. So at the time you you genuinely believed that you weren't kind of just not willing to, you know, become public with your with your feelings yet you just genuinely were sort of in in limbo
1: yeah at that time it was definitely something that I didn't feel I was and I obviously looking now from being seven years down the line uh, I look back and I obviously have identified through therapy and self-reflection and talking to friends and family that there obviously was um, an underlying shame there to what i thought being gay meant and i had my own issues with that which at that time i didn't realize i had gay friends and i never felt like i belonged in their world so to speak and um i had straight friends and i didn't really feel like i felt i belonged in in that that world either so I actually thought I was asexual or just you know, just not into anyone or anything, and I was starting to accept that. And it was only weirdly because I did TOWIE and then I got thrust into the spotlight. I started meeting so many different people that I understood that there's a big world out there mm-hmm. and there's all walks of life out there. And actually, I just been in Essex in a little bubble, and just because something wasn't working for me here, actually there was going to be my place out in the world somewhere and the right people I would find. So it happened, and that, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of this story.
0: Mm. And how long did it take from once you you realised that you were gay and then, like, did you sit with it for a while and and come to terms with it yourself and then, I assume, told loved ones before then doing it in such a public way or on TV? Like, I'm really curious in terms of, like, you know, your, your process there. The
1: process there was I... I definitely knew something was up with my mental health. I was so unhappy in my early 20s. And I think that was just such a mixed bag of hormones and emotion and all different things that were bubbling away under the surface there. Then you put the Mm. process of going on a big television. And at the time, TOWIE was absolutely huge. And it was a very stereotypical show. And it was all about the, the beautiful people of Essex, so to speak, and their fabulous lives and uh, it was an amazing opportunity but obviously under all of that facade there was me that was struggling and it was quite obvious If I look back at some of the old clips myself now I cringe or I can't really watch them because I can almost see the turmoil or the pain or the lack of spark in my eye because I was so lost so as I said being thrust into the spotlight and meeting all different people, I did start meeting people that I was gravitating towards. And it was then that that seed was planted that I felt that I could start potentially exploring what a different life might look like for me. And I speak very openly about my relationship with Russell Toby, who's an actor. He's been such an integral, important friend in this whole journey for me because I met him at some award ceremony. I became friends with him he's an openly gay man he showed me a world that i would never seen before within the gay community and being comfortable with yourself and I could have certain conversations with him and see things from being in his social circuit mm. that started making me open up the idea that I, I could very well be and I did I sat on that and truthfully I only spoke to my mum and my sister nobody else knew that I was going to go on this morning and come out, apart from I also had one friend who was a TV producer who knew where I was at and she said, if we're going to do this, why don't we just do it? Because so many people were questioning me yeah. from the towel days.
0: Right. I kind of wonder as well when I watched the clip of what was going through Philip Schofield's head at the time, his opening sentence I made a note of, he said in 2014 why he's coming out such a nerve-wracking experience and I just wonder if he was... You know, at that time, struggling himself because it was obviously much later that 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 he came out on on the same show.
1: Yeah, I, I would say he he obviously he obviously did have his struggles, and it goes to show that you never really know what someone is is battling behind the scenes. All I remember from that day because obviously it was a bit of a blur. Dermot O'Leary was there, and obviously Philip, and it was Amanda Holden. Phil was just so warm and he gave me this hug in the green room that I will never forget and it was I knew that my life was going to change when I walked out of that studio I was nervous I know that my mum was very scared for me doing it in such a public way but I almost felt like it was my duty to because i had been given this platform I was still on the back end of The Only Ways Essex and it still had a lot of media presence and I thought if I'm going to just try and crack on with my life I need to do it this way because I can just say it once and for all. They're giving me a 15-minute slot to say it as it is. But it was a no-brainer for me that I could just tell my truth and also speak in a way that you don't really hear very many people, especially guys from something like the Underways Essex, talk. and I think where I've been slightly different in my career and as I've navigated life a little bit you know, as an older gay man is that just because I came out, my journey then began and that wasn't just you know all, it wasn't all roses after that I, I had to unpick so many things that I had built up over the years and, and start refining myself again and that started a whole new thing so it was so important that I did it I trust that I was meant to do it that way and I actually saw Philip Schofield maybe two weeks ago and we no, always well. just give each other our little nods to all right, we're our true selves now, and it's all good.
0: Arthur, what an incredible story! So, did you feel? And Chloe, we're going to get to your story too shortly, but did did you just feel this incredible weight? And I, I mean, I'm I'm assuming, but correct me if I'm wrong, that the the outpouring must have been mostly amazingly supportive. It, it was. One would hope, at least. I mean, yeah I'd
1: say there was always a speculation around me, and I'd said things on Towie, which was a very black and white stereotypical show boys will be boys girls will be girls and I would always say things like I don't believe in labels and love is love and I did have a a romantic interest from one of the gay cast members that did express their feelings for me I didn't feel the same but I was not shy in saying that I was open to what potentially could be But that was almost putting myself on the line as well because people didn't really understand it. That was still around Mm. 10 years ago that I was saying that. And Mm. it's been quite a big shift um, in this last 10 years, which I'm really happy to see. Mm. But with regards to having the weight lifted off my shoulders, of course, there's nothing more satisfying than being able to take a deep breath and say, right, from now on, I can just be myself, learn as I go, and be liberated in that fact.
0: Mm. I love it Um, We're going to move on to Chloe now Welcome Chloe Davies Gosh I mean talk about power business lady She just said before we started recording She's had 48 hours in New York Busy mum of two, um, and I'm going to have to read out all these accolades so that I don't screw God. them up. <laughs> a bisexual woman, mother of two, activist, chef and entrepreneur, head of social impact at Lucky Generals. This is a creative company for people on a mission. Can you tell us a bit about that first, actually, before we go into the other stuff? Because I was I had a little look on the website and I was like, oh, this is quite a... a Big important company.
2: <laughs> yeah, they are. So we are nine coming up to ten next year. Uh, creative agency. It's my first proper stint in advertising. I'm gonna be honest. We're an agency unlike any other. Over a hundred makers London and New York. And their very first ever client was uh, Rainbow Laces with Stonewall. So they have oh, really been. wow! They've been an agency that have been at the forefront of telling real stories, real people Mm -hmm. putting a perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just did the Virgin Atlantic advert. We've been working with Amazon, I think almost since the beginning. So uh, four, I mean, we've done incredible work, Super Bowl, but four incredible Christmas adverts that have Told social impact through the lens of difference in such a fundamental way, Black Ballerina. And then last year, Amazon Kindness, which was an intergenerational conversation between two Black women through the lens of anxiety and mental health and post pandemic, or the panini, as I call it, for my mental health. So, um, yeah, I, I, I work in a, a motley crew of really, <laughs> really amazing creative people. Sounds and, really
0: exciting.
2: Yeah. I'm hoping that everyone like I've I've come to hide in the only room that I could find today. And I'm I'm hoping that everyone is really quiet, but it's very busy in the office today. So our um we've got our annual summer party tomorrow
1: and our New York team
2: are flying in as oh,
1: wow. I speak. So. Wow. I, just say, I, I absolutely love the Virgin Atlantic advert. I'm Thank you. Congratulations on that. It's amazing.
2: And you know, as I as I say to the team, we are the custodians of people's stories like we have to make sure that we co- tell the correct stories and tell them with the right points of difference it's our duty so I think everybody knew that everybody in different ways has personal attachments it's my mum's favorite airline so I knew she was gonna cuss <laughs> me if did not do it well <laughs> um, yeah
0: Brilliant. Uh, congratulations on being recognised as a 2022 LinkedIn top voice within the LGBTQIA plus community. That's big as well. In a beautiful dress. Was that at the awards? I saw you changed your. Yeah, I, went pic.
2: To, I went to the Wackle Dinner with Work um, and Una King. And if you've ever met Una King, she's such an amazing orator and really kind of just disrupted in the room about how advertising needs to be better. But also in a room full of women and senior women at that, we have a responsibility and a duty of care to make sure that we put our best foot forward. Um, so I came with the Lucky Generals team and I didn't realise that uh, So as you were speaking to um to Charlie, about you know you've got these people in your life. I would class that as chosen family. We we say that chosen family. So two of my really good friends were in the room: uh, Shiva Chandani and Charlie Craggs. And whenever you're around chosen family and you look good, it became a photo shoot. So we were, <laughs> we were at the Savoy. It became like this massive, you know, big thing. Everyone felt great in their outfits. Um, and yes, yeah, so that's where that picture is from.
0: Brilliant. Um, Well, I found you through an agency called We Create Space and this Mm -hmm. is you're very passionate about creating, as we can hear, inclusive cultures and safe spaces for for all, it sounds like. Um, But in in this lens, we create spaces for queer leadership. Is that right? It's, It's for
2: it has tracks that are to empower queer leadership to be more inclusive but it's all through the lens of mental health and well-being so it's mm. it's creating space creating conversations for leaders to learn but also for community to come together and actually have open honest transparent and safe conversations about mental health in a way that um, lots of other places do and they do it through nuance and we create space again it's just one of those places and I think the more the merrier where well, we can talk about what's in our heads and our hearts in a safe space and where you can do that through the lens of difference because there'll be a different conversation with the trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming community as they will with bisexual community as they will with the gay community and even if we talk about the gay community are we talking about men or are we talking about women because women might not class themselves as lesbians they might still class themselves as gay so um you've got to have somewhere where all of these conversations can be happening in multiple ways in multiple layers. And Michael and the team at We Create Space have just created somewhere where I truly felt safe. I truly felt like I could show up and and speak to um, some of those conversations for the very first time um, or again after about 20 plus years. So
0: in the I guess more the sort of corporate business world, in terms of like feeling safe in in regards to like um exploring sexuality mental health is 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 there problems there (laughs) we are as
2: the saying goes you know we are getting there we've come so far but there's still a lot and a fundamental amount of work to do you know i um I'm honest about my journey in the same way that you are, Charlie, when I was, uh, and I guess I'll do the trigger warning for anybody who's listening, Uh, when I was 14, uh, my cousin, who was my best friend in the whole world, uh, completed suicide, he was 18, and it fundamentally rocked my family what happened was that you know when everyone was asking questions and adults are asking you know why especially when it's a child you know my dad said because we were referred to as like pinky and perky said maybe we should ask chloe so i told my truth it's a bit too loud and a bit too raw for everyone to take and they basically just told me to be quiet and so i did i internalized everything for 10 years stopped talking about my hopes and dreams troubles you name it just didn't talk um, and I had a full physical, mental and emotional breakdown when I was 24. My body basically went, forget it, you're not listening. So I'm going to make you listen. I was working for John Lewis at the time. And John Lewis had an amazing partner benefit system through occupational health. And they said, you can go and you can have counselling. You can have six to 12 sessions. Um, I had 13. That's why I've got 13 tatters in my wrist because you make your own luck that was 16, 17 years ago. And when I look to where we are now, in terms of talking about health and well-being, whilst there were areas where it existed, if it hadn't been for the Panini, we wouldn't be talking about mental health and well-being in the workplace in such a fundamental way as we are now. There are things that happen in our history that are catalysts for change. So I think that we are getting there, we're having a much more refined conversation in the last two years, even in the last six months, I would say, as we're coming back out from our homes, navigating being physically together again, and what's the impact of that, you know, what, I never had anxiety before, it wasn't something that I lived with, now, like, anxious and being in large groups of people, you know, even people that I don't know, totally spins my head out, So that's just the mental health lens when you then add the layer of your identity, sexuality, sexual orientation, however you characterize that, that then becomes so much more intense because, you know, is there a, I'll I'll be honest, like from my own perspective, when the Virgin Atlantic ad came, I was like, I have a duty of care to the LGBT community. Like this is a brand that we're so synonymous with. We've got to make sure that we do it right. And there are so many ways in which even if you're not out in the workplace how do you see yourself how do you show up and all of those impact kind of how you navigate through life so um in a long-winded way yeah i think we are getting there but there is so much more to do and you know in particular i think like for the trans community across the umbrella life is incredibly hard and businesses really need to collectively do better some do really well it's always about learning but you know it's not just the every day it's the aftercare it's the checking in it's what what do you have in place um you know from my own umbrella the bisexual community there's a lot of biphobia from our own community and I'm sure you'll get to that a bit, a bit later but you know there's there are lots of different conversations that we could be having and I would love that the one around parenting was a bit louder too.
0: Mm, Gosh, so much amazing stuff there as well. I think as well, like, and this is something, um, Harry, who works for My Possible Self, who's, who's a gay man, he said that he finds sometimes he'll be upset about something but then for like colleagues or loved ones around him that maybe don't really understand, like it might be a comment that is is to him hurtful. Um, he said that he finds a lot that things will get brushed like oh, you know, it'll almost get trivialised, like it's not, oh, what are you moaning about, kind kind of thing, um, from somebody that, you know, is is heterosexual. So I just I, I think it's important to acknowledge that everybody suffers with their mental health. But in terms of like um, sexuality, it's so complex, isn't it? We should give everybody the space to feel how they feel. Um, And this is a very particularly important year for UK Pride because it's 50 years of London Pride. Um, And you talked, Chloe, briefly about, you know, Stonewall and the Stonewall riots was obviously how this whole thing came to be. I mean, that, it's so it's actually fifty years of the very first
2: Pride March. So the very oh, so, yeah, like, for the Gay Liberation Front. It's the it's the fiftieth anniversary of the very first Pride March. I think the anniversary for London Pride is in two years. For the obviously, what that what for that the fifty is. years. Yeah, so
0: what that is today. Oh, but, my bad. Thank you for correcting me. No, but this, I mean, this is all this is all learning because yeah. again, in, within.
2: I would say that it's fair for myself and Charlie, correct me if I'm wrong, but as you become more visible within the community and as you meet more people of differing identities and you do more, we learn more about our history. For a lot of time, we talk about things ill-informed, not because we don't know, but just because we're not actually direct access to our history, our our history and their stories. Um, You know, Lady Phil kind of tells us and, 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 and helps educate us on things that you know she's been doing for 20 plus years and and obviously I volunteer for UK Back Pride so that is such a fundamental because our movement started from struggle, our movement started from, you know, pain, from discrimination, from here at home in the UK, people taking to the streets in solidarity to say we deserve better, we want more, and this is the only way that we're going to get people to listen. Um, That hasn't changed. Struggles are still as loud, if not louder, and we're still taking to the streets to kind of speak up to be heard, not because we're not talking, um, but because this seems to be the only way that we're truly heard when the movement goes out and becomes part of the people. So it's a strange one because we're, for so many, you know, pride is still fundamentally a protest. Our beings are entirely political. And whilst we do find joy, we do find those moments to celebrate with each other. I think the theme for everything is like we're totally not there yet. Like the, you know, when we think about our community as a whole, and in particular when we think about our trans community, like I'm I'm scared for my friends, I'm scared for myself, because even before I start talking about, you know, the trans community, I'm a black woman. So the nuance around that is, you know, there are so many aspects that Mm. if if you just take your one identity, I'm black, I'm queer. I'm, you know, a working parent, I'm a mental health survivor, you know, I'm the mother of a neurodiverse child. So those are just some of the visible ones that you see. Um, And again, you know, Charlie, from your perspective, the layers that, you know, there's not just one, there are layers upon layers and they all interact and impact. So I feel like these conversations are so necessary because they didn't exist for me. You know, sixteen years ago, I don't think they existed for you, Charlie. Eight years ago, and even now, if you asked me, would well, we be having this conversation that we're having now a year ago? The answer would probably still have been no. Mm-hmm. Wow, I
1: agree.
0: So, what are some of the the big challenges that the LGBTQIA plus community are still facing now? What should we be i mean you mentioned about trans in particular have a lot of um really serious problems and struggles still going on but in it, you know in terms of like yeah the 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 major challenges what are we looking at um we need to ban conversion therapy it's you know it's not
2: it's a fundamental practice that's totally rocked our community and still exists today like there are archaic practices that have been put in place laws that really don't allow our community to exist as they should the trans community here at home can't live in the way that they wish to live and see themselves and have the freedom to do so Uh, they can't self-identify as you can in other countries you know like the us and a lot of how we navigate as community is defined by people who don't Understand and so are speaking on our behalf. You know, they don't, they believe that they have a right to determine our existence. Um, And we are now having people who identify in the same way that we do, that we can speak for ourselves. Um, But I mean, again, the intersex community, that archaic medical practice, and it stems from medicine. So, you know, if I just focus on the intersex community for a second, Someone who is intersex is someone who obviously is born with the genetic characteristics in a binary sense of male or female characteristics. So, someone who might appear outwardly male may have the internal genitalia hormones, a different mix and makeup of women in the same capacity. So, they are classes intersex. When a child is born and they can't overwhelmingly determine the sex of a child at birth, then doctors Do what's still class, it's medical practice today, uh, male to female genital mutilation, FTM, or uh, the other way around, um, MTF. And they will correct. They are intersex children. And so they will navigate their whole life having had these archaic practices and procedures. And you don't probably realize you're intersex until puberty. I've got an amazing friend, Annick Sony, who I've learned so much about intersex identities. So that is still happening today it means that before a child has even had the life that they wish to have they're put at risk based on someone who doesn't really understand or know the impact of what they're doing mm-hmm. and that's for that's that's for medical practice that's to learn to understand to get up to speed with insects' identities not because they're new because intersex identities have been around since time immemorial. We can see intersex people in history. They just had different names. Um, so I think there are there are lots more struggles, unfortunately, than we have time in this podcast to talk about. That's the reality yeah. of life. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's how can people mm-hmm. show up for community that's is that's by that's actually that's going that's and, that's you know, doing Doing the work, go and speak to LGBTQ plus people that you know. If you don't know, Google is absolutely your friend. Like, listen. If you do one thing this Pride Month is, go and learn a little bit more about the lgbt community, and then go and put that somewhere else.
0: Mm. Do you think as well that like people are maybe a little bit nervous about saying the wrong thing when it to ter- in terms of like asking the questions and, and not wanting to offend? Of course
2: but this isn't, it's not a, it's not just a one person no, single struggle lens no. of LGBTQ. Like yeah. we're doing, we're still collectively doing this for women. You know, the women's movement is 101 years old. We're doing this for parents. Cause I can tell you, you know, we've lost roles and all the parents that I know when we went into the Panini went, oh wow, flexible working contracts are possible. <laughs> like it isn't, it isn't just one thing. It's a whole host of things. So it's about yeah. how do you get comfortable with being uncomfortable to celebrate difference you know recognizing i don't know everything about all identities but actually maybe i should learn a bit more you know how do we do this about neurodiversity and disability like you don't just stop doing that because someone who's differently abled is lgbt or someone who's differently abled is black you're still going to show up for the disability community so it's about getting into that mentality and that we're all We're all uncomfortable, so okay. Now
0: that we're all the same, can we just get on with it? And I think if there's any teachers listening, that you know more needs to be done in schools as well. Would you agree?
1: I know I'm so in awe of what of what Chloe's saying, and I'm actually learning a lot because I always put my hands up that I don't know everything, and I've actually been guilty of being scared to say certain things in case it was the wrong thing because I'm, you know, council culture's been pretty. prevalent around people that i know and um i'm just listening but with regards to the question that you just asked do you
0: think that more needs to be done in terms of education in schools yeah
1: school a hundred percent because i i personally so much of my um mental trauma comes from school i had such a bad time of it and there was so much power around that for example i was Always called gay at school. I went to an all boys school, and because I was slightly different, it was always a derogatory term. It was always like the Nancy boy. I was gay, I was a proof, I was all those awful words. And there was so much hate about it. And that was obviously through um, a generational thing and lack of knowledge and, and narrow mindedness. But There was never actually those conversations in the school classroom where you almost could take the power out of those awful words and the the association and that's why people like myself probably did without even realizing build so much fear into what being gay might have meant and it could be for anyone and we're not just talking about gay let's talk about the community let's talk about human beings Mm -hmm. it's being able to explore who you possibly could be and where that might need to take you and what you might need resource-wise. Mm. And if you don't have that from a very young age, then automatically you can start being influenced by, as Chloe said, people that try and speak on our behalf, that think that they know but actually have no idea. Yeah. And I'm, this is where I feel like my career and my message and what I want to do is going now because if I'd had a better school life, um, or I was felt more of a safe space a bit like what we talk about now with workspaces trying to create those yeah those spaces yeah. that we're we're comfortable in then my god we need to start when we're when we're young I and mean, impressionable and vulnerable and we need to be able to challenge what we're being told by adults just because we're a child because they're set in ways from yesteryear mm-hmm. and we need teachers the educational authority and the powers that be to understand that because. There's still a lot of old views and thoughts and feelings on things from the 70s, the 80s. I mm. still challenge my mum on things. And she's, mm. you know, she, she's a, a woman of the 60s. Yeah. And I'm trying to educate her with things. And um, it's really important. My sister now, we've got two boys in, my nephews are in primary school now. And I'm always trying to keep her up to date with what's what because she's still got views of. You know, being a, a school kid of the '90s, which was still there was so much narrow-mindedness and and yeah. um, no education around things.
0: Yeah, I mean, my sex education at school was like, "This is how a man and a woman makes a baby." That was it. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, 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 I mean, to watch that awful video,
2: like the Crin <laughs> video at school, of you know, i I'm, I I. So I went to a single-sex school. Teacher, I went to an all-girls school, and so oh. I've been out since I was fifteen because that conversation existed in my school but it was when i came out and i went to the workplace that the dynamic completely changed but even how we talked, because i learned it from my peers i didn't learn my identity from my teachers so i had that almost like safe place amongst other pupils but then had the direct discrimination from teachers that were like it's a man and a woman and i was like Okay, I get that bit, but what about the like woman and woman part? They're, like, they're, yeah. you know, they're yeah. so many different. Um, and so, yeah, like, uh, again, the interlaying identities, like we know LGBT history is a fundamental part of what should be in school education, but also we should talk about more diverse history too. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up learning about my Black identity in school. I learned about it at home with my family and if I had been able to see my Black LGBTQ plus identity in school I would be able to navigate through my surroundings far easier than I've learned how to do now as an adult and that's the responsibility that we have to give to our children to actually just exist as they want to exist. I'm really you know, I'm really forthright about that, you know, as a parent now myself, my, my, I've got two boys, Miles is six and Theo's four, Miles is uh, autistic and nonverbal. So the lens and the nuance of his existence in school um and when navigating now, does he, well, we want him to, he's tried a mainstream school that they've tried their best, but they're not equipped to give Miles the education that he needs. And so the fight, and it is it is a fight, you know, unfortunately for a lot of struggles, it is a fight to get him into an autism specialist school is so hard. Um, And so again, I, I talk about this out of context because that's not heteronormative. We have autistic LGBTQ plus people. We have neurodiverse LGBTQ plus people. So imagine the, The lens and the layers that just trying to exist as you in a place where actually the nuance is so much harder you know there are people like Shantae and um, Tanya who talk about you know how they navigating learning that they are you know they're diagnosed with ADHD and so how they're kind of just accessing that as adults. There are just so many things that we need to create space to talk about more, because you know when I was growing up, and I'm going to be forty this year, we didn't refer to it as ADHD. You got told like you're being, you know, you're being loud, you're being aggressive, you're being naughty. You know, you you need to go and sit in in the naughty chair. Or you're being hyperactive. Now we know that that would be someone who is on the spectrum and probably normally ADHD, but the negative impact that that would have on those children as they navigate through life, that they would feel like they're always doing something wrong and not realising that it's something else. You know, I'm i am like you, Charlie, I was bullied. You know, kids are... Excuse my French. I'm like, kids are shit. I mean, they can grow up to be really lovely. Yeah. yeah. But some kids are just... <laughs> shit and so and so again it's like the more the more education you have the more knowledge you have that that impact that we can make earlier on to kind of dispel that because we can see in the world what big bullies look like Mm. our government is a very clear indication of that and so the impact that that has on because that's one you know one or two people that are impacting hundreds and thousands and millions of people. So again, I'm not saying this like, you know, come by, but actually imagine if we really were talking about existence much earlier. That then meant people couldn't weaponize it through fear and then have a say on how people should live their lives based on their fear of what they don't know or that they feel like they're having to give up space that they're entitled to, not that they've earned it.
1: Mm.
0: And in terms of like My Possible Self is, is a mental health app and looking through the lens of mental health, you know, when you're, a, if we go into the school and into a school kid's mind and, and maybe they are struggling, you know, what's going on internally there? Like what kind of damage are we are we doing by not having these conversations and it's sitting because obviously Chloe, you shared a bit of your story in terms of like your body physically just quite came to a point where it was like, I I can't hold this in anymore. And I I think Charlie a little bit for you too, but in terms of what the heck is going on in in somebody's mind during this, this time when, you know, the hormones are aging as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I class myself as a mental health survivor. It, it, this is never going to go away is you know this is gonna live with me um, I don't live with it it lives with me um for the rest of my life and so it's about learning what first and foremost that like saying that I think a, I think a, a lot of people when we talk about mental health and this sometimes comes from practitioners first they say it like you're going to be fixed I don't need fixing I'm great um, you know my my mental health is my superpower because I'm an empath and it allows me to to connect with people in a truly emotional way so I f- I feel like first and foremost language is so key when we talk about mental health and the positive impact that that can have and like you said Charlie I'm picking a lot of bad language that actually now we can speak to it now but I think it's just ultimately finding those spaces, to be honest, it's hard times for everyone through the lens of mental health. You know, they are, I'm an ambassador for Mental Health First Aid England and they used to say there was one in four people in their lifetime will have a mental health episode issue, whatever you class it. I'd say that's probably about one in two, if not one in one. And it's absolutely our children right now following what's happened with the pandemic. So Anything within society where there is struggle is going to impact people. You know, just the I I don't really watch the news anymore, not because I don't want to be informed. I find it quite triggering. I find, you know, especially when there's stories about my own community and I know people through that existence that will also trigger. So I think it's it's about being honest about that. It's about saying, I just don't have the capacity um, in a way that we never used to. I think businesses are really thinking about it more. And so wellbeing is now a fundamental part of kind of your business infrastructure um, and your mission and your values. Now they speak to well being and mental health in a way that it never used to. It, you know, it's part of budgets. And they, you know, whether they work with self space or they might work with mental health aid. Mental health first aiders in your business—it's an—it's integral, um, and I think that's what will continue to bring about positivity. But this is a conversation that is just going to exist as we exist. Conversations around mental health will exist. The evolution of these conversations will probably be through the lens of digital overwhelm. You know, you said, (laughs) "Charlie, no," but you said, "Charlie, you hate Zoom." Like that yeah. is also a, a,
0: a mental health conversation. Oh, yeah. We could do a completely different podcast there as well. Ch- I mean, Charlie, when you referred to when you were at school and, you know, you hadn't drawn any conclusions yet or, you know, come to any sort of, yeah, you had realisation, but you said that you were still getting these words said in a derogatory way towards you and then it again like mental health wise what is that doing to somebody because it is still going on I think about like um my sister's partner his son was called like a gay a gay boy or whatever he's like 11 because his hair was a bit longer um and he was being picked on but I'm just thinking of that particular ter- term and then his dad turned around and went well so what if you know that's that's not a bad it was in the context yes it was he was trying to you know be hurtful but i guess what i'm saying is it's like you know somebody's thinking somebody's struggling and maybe they don't want to come out earlier because they are worried about being picked on or whatever into yeah i'm and just and in terms of like mental health of a child so
1: I, I was just thinking of some stuff which um i think it goes back to what chloe's saying and and the key to this podcast is is this honesty and transparency and you can be honest in whatever context that is if you if you're not educated on certain things you can be honest about that you can feel free to go on google and see where you're at with certain things and maybe polish up on things that you might not know about but where i i think i touched on this earlier i'm slightly different because of my honesty and i think that's because when i came out i came out as a guy that was deemed as you know this Towie boy had the looks, had the lifestyle, yada, yada, yada. And then I went on BBC Breakfast maybe about three years ago. And I think it was on the back of when Philip Schofield came out. And I said, just because I came out, that, that doesn't mean I don't struggle still. I still struggle as a gay man. And the response I got from that was overwhelming. And it made me realize that from what people were saying to me on the back of me just saying that, was it was unbelievable that people still had not really heard the fact that just because you do come out you might think that that's the answer to everything actually it's not and even as I sit here now it's still not because I still struggle within this community and where I fit in at times and how I navigate life as a gay man I, I, I I'm always comfortable around women I still struggle around men that comes from a whole nother story and dynamic to my life I'm lucky that I look at addressing this and understand what that could mean, but I'm a gay man, you would think instantly, well, I just love being around men and I want to be intimate with men and that's gonna be how it goes. And I'm either one or the other. It's not that at all. It's so complex and so diverse. And I think that's really important. And I think that also, that's why I've become quite known for what I say and people relate to what I say is because the work never stops. And even though we talk about pride and, of course, it can be either seen as a protest or to some people it's a party. I went to Mighty Hooker last weekend. It's a party. It's a music festival. Were you there, Chloe?
2: I was. I lived my best life. It's one of my favourite festivals. Um, There we go. Just be around my own community and feel safe. You know, that's so fundamental to listen to music, to navigate, to just show up however I want to show up. That, that Jamie and Glynn have done such an amazing job at Mighty Hoop. It was, amazing. Name it, Kate B, you name it, I, I was there Saturday.
1: Being in that environment was, was, was amazing. And to see, as you say, so many people show up, it was absolutely great to see. Um, but just quickly touching on what you said about being at school, again, without repeating myself, I think it just is so integrally important that we create these environments that we remember that we are all individual but if we're meant to be learning from our teachers what do the teachers really know about this or how can this start being part of a curriculum and when can we start uh, playing with the idea of people's individuality because people need to be aware of their individuality at a very very well from the beginning really but obviously we know that when we're babies and we're toddlers but from a very young age we need to know that we can explore who we are going to be and um i just I, I always know from my own story that if i'd had a different environment or i was able to potentially explore different ideas of who i could be or what that that potentially was i'd probably be sitting there as a very different man now mm-hmm. and um that's why i want to kind of get in there quick with the youngsters of today because You know, we saw that movement with BLM and everyone coming together, and we we know people jump on bandwagons and things like that. But these conversations are are here for life. They've got to continue. They're not just a flash in the pan. And if we think about, we're all here, and we're, we're we're told on one hand, be different, be unique, be yourself, but they're just words. We need to actually know what that really looks like, and. That's very different for each and every one of us. And um I don't know if I'm waffling a bit here, but it's just, no, it, it makes sense. Very, it's very important to me if I look at what we're meant to, you know, we're heteronormality, is that the word? Heteronormativity. Normativity, thank you, Chloe. That's kind of like seen as the shore. And then we're all these islands off, you know, we need to make sure that we are aware as a, as a heteronormative community, they need to be aware of the islands around them. We need to be knowledgeable of, of that community as well. And we should all hopefully be able to work together so we all have the rights and the life that we deserve. And that's what will be the ultimate goal. And this is why the work will not stop until all of our us islands can work in harmony with each other and be as one.
2: I will expand on your analogy. We were all on the island. I can find where I was in history on the island. The part I don't, I, I, where we need to get back to is there was enough land for everyone. You know, it mm. wasn't about being, you know, to to take you of, of where you're saying, like, we've all been given our own spaces. Yeah, but do you know what? I want to collaborate with people together in one space as community, like Mighty Hoopla Whilst there were a lot of LGBTQ plus people, uh like there was everybody there. There was, you know, LGBT community, there were straight people, and they found harmony because they knew that it was a place that centered people of the LGBTQ plus identity in the same way. That we say at UK Black Pride, it is to centre you know, LGBTQ plus people of colour under the, the Black experience, but through a political lens, um, so Asian, African, Caribbean, Latin American, and, and and many different identities. But if you come to celebrate and show up, you know that that part of the community is centred, but that you're welcome. So uh, again, there's community, like We didn't just get here. We've been here for a hot minute, whether it be 50 years since our first Pride March, whether I can find LGBTQ plus identities, Romans, Egyptians, you name it, we were there, we existed. We had different words, different language for it, but we were there. So now it's about how do we get into a period where everyone who makes decisions for other people to have a more informed knowledge because you're basing it on what you're told. And Dr. Ronk says you cannot be what you do not see. So now I see politicians who are vast identities. Do they learn who they are in school? You know, now I see so many different world leaders. If we don't learn about all of that at an early age, and we just learn in a silo, then we're always going to set ourselves on the back foot. But I also think that when we talk about this through the lens of mental health and and sexual identities, we are ever-expanding, ever-evolving people. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're when we look to, as you said, and you did kind of the spectrum, and you talked about LGBTQIA+, Mm -hmm. now as a community, we can speak, and actually an answer for ourselves the identities and the umbrellas with which we live under now are being spoken about more in abundance we used to say lgbt or lgbt plus now we include the other identities that have always lived underneath it so education is key knowledge is always power it's not there to deter, and the more knowledge we have, the better it will be.
0: So, am I right when I say LGBTQIA plus? Because mm-hmm. I, because when I was doing my research, depending on what site you're on, you get different variations of. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was my thoughts. Was that it's obviously we want to be as inclusive as possible and, and acknowledge, you know, as many people um, as possible.
2: And, and we speak to those identities more. We never used to, and it's not that those people didn't exist. But it was the different conversations that were happening in places. And again, who gave community access to those spaces to be able to speak on their own behalf? So, you know, from where you were, Charlie, in 2014 to where you are now and and how you talk about gay men's identities, but also through the lens of the issues still within the gay men's community of how you feel like you can show up all of those conversations are still happening I mean I could talk to you about you know the bi community and bi community versus the pan community I mean there are so many different struggles that impact our mental health of how we can just show up and navigate but if we don't talk about them then they just live in darkness and that's where it festers Mm. like you have to bring these things to the light to to, to not feel so bad
0: the truth will set you free as they say yeah. so how do we turn bystanders to upstanders i'm pinching a term from a, an episode i did recently on bullying and i i really liked that sort of phrase in terms of you know inclusivity all around regardless of sexual orientation like when we see things going on like what's the best course of action because i still think a lot of people maybe none of us get anywhere alone you know, I didn't I didn't get here on my own.
2: Um, and so we have to continue to pay it forward to others. You know, Charlie talked about the next generation to come. It's about human beings. We're all human mm. beings. Like we're not, I'm not any different to you, Charlie. I'm not any different to you, Gabby. I will have different struggles, but if we celebrate human beings and we celebrate difference, then we can take each other's struggles and trying to make that better for each other you know I'm I, I'm a mother of two I need the world to really catch on quick um because my sons uh despite being of mixed parentage they look like little black boys stole my whole face um, so and you can see how the world views little black boys you talked earlier about black lives matter you know tears on from George Floyd's murder from you know you're seeing what's happening in schools you're seeing what's happening on the streets I need the world to help protect my sons I'm not always gonna be here for them so I can't just focus on them I have to focus on a world that includes them alongside other children alongside other parents alongside able-bodied you know like it is what I'm saying ringing true like it isn't a one issue for one person it's got to collectively be everyone so you know that's the part where we say people need people if you're listening and you don't identify in the same way that I do but through the lens of my LGBT identity but you might as a mental health survivor you might as a woman or as a parent each of those identities has a struggle and I'm fighting for you as much as I hope you fight for me and take some of what I've heard and then go and share that with somebody else. And I'm sure you're going to find another shared commonality. And that's how we create community and put it in spaces where you don't see me. If you don't see someone that looks like me, how do you create a space where I feel welcome if you don't welcome me? So we've got to share each other's struggles.
1: Funny because my, my Instagram header is through sharing. We can all find that common ground and, That is just how it is. You're absolutely right. If we break it down, it feels like it's complex and there's so much to it. But if we just start with that conversation and we start with being able to open up about things, that finding that common ground is there and it can be so, so valuable. And that's really where it all begins and starts. And once you can do that, and you know, I can take a little bit from Chloe today, and I'm gonna take a bit from you, Gabby, and I'm actually gonna walk off this podcast and into my course a bit later. And I I've actually I'm armored with a little bit more information today, and that's amazing. And this is what we'd be advocates for and keep spreading this message. Because if we can all do things like this and learn from each other, then we're powerful and we are the powers that be, not not governments as such, you know. We are we're the people, and that's what's so it's exciting and it's it could be a very, very powerful thing if we can all keep doing this.
0: Yeah, I, I love that and I know I'm conscious of time. And just to wrap things up and thank you to you both because this has been absolutely incredible. To anybody who's listening right now who is struggling with their sexuality and their mental health, what advice would you give to them? Um, I mean, we've not really talked about things like like circumstances at home suppression you know all like you said there's so many layers and factors I lived in in Nashville for five years I came back at the end of last year and oh my god talk about backwards you get half an hour out of the city and it was just a whole different world of again we haven't got the time to go into it but my point being it's like we've come a long way but like you guys have said there's still so much more to go and again like yeah for somebody listening right now that's struggling and that's really sort of taking in what you guys are saying, what advice would you give to them? Go on, Charlie yeah
1: um I think it's I've, I've answered this question many times in the past, and I always come away and i'm I'm one of these people that I was self reflecting Why didn't I say that and it's it's one of those tricky ones because I could turn around and say, Open up, it gets better, yada, yada yada. but the reality is when someone's in that situation, it feels it's a very unknown. Uh, place and it can be very daunting and very scary and you don't know which way to turn but all I would say is there is a way to turn there are people out there for you there are resources available there is a huge community that want to see you thrive and and you will be fine once you are able to just find that space to express how you're feeling
2: I guess to tag team with you Charlie For anyone listening um, who is struggling, you are not alone. You are loved. You are respected and valued. And Charlie says there is a home for you. The first home that you have to find is yourself. And so continue to make space for yourself. This is not an easy journey. And even though Charlie and I are both out, we still continue to out ourselves every day in different capacities so take time and take space with yourself um because we can still continue to take time and make space for ourselves now I think you will one day get to a time where you can just exist as you and that's where we find
1: joy and I'm just going to tag team on that and I would say that you know being being out and very proud of who i am now there is nothing quite like being your authentic self and once you get there you will not look back and will be everything and more life will be incredible and um it's a beautiful thing there's a real positive spin on it that once you can live your true authentic self be comfortable with that you are limitless and that's a beautiful thing
0: oh my god i want to cry (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys so honestly you've been amazing thank you this is going to make such a important brilliant episode
2: the thing that I've learned I'm I'm done apologizing like when we see people I take you as you and if there was another nuance or another layer to it because you never really know what's going on like the perfect example is as you gave Gabby the the synergy and symmetry and strangeness of you coming out to philip Scofield. and now seven years later him then coming out maybe he wasn't that part of his journey maybe he wasn't no one will know other than him mm. no one will know other than him mm. so you just have to respect that I know my struggles. You know your struggles. And at the end of the day, if you're community, we make space for that. So that's the part where I'm like, don't apologize. Just do you. Like, Yeah,
0: I've learned so much. And, you know, I thought I knew quite a bit already, but I don't even think I've scratched the surface on my education, but we feel the same.
1: <laughs> We're very aware of our struggles and we we can reflect on that. And that's a beautiful thing that we can sit here and speak about them openly. But it, on on the positive look at the amazing things that you're doing and the, when you reeled off the the work that you've done it's incredible and despite your challenges and despite the obstacles and the potential limitations you've managed to be able to still sit here now as an entrepreneur as a successful black woman that's a parent and part of the bio community and it's just it's amazing and I think that goes to show at the end of what we say with this podcast is to so that person that's sitting there struggling look how amazing life can be mm. we're all gonna we're always going to have struggles there's going to be struggles in any sense of the word over life but you can have your struggles and still achieve and be who you want to be and do amazing things and I think that's that's where I'm going to sign off now
0: <laughs> thank you for your time and your words Ugh.
1: Chloe you're amazing you <laughs>
0: Chloe, she was amazing, as was Charlie, but where was my thanks? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I did get that later. Uh, Big thanks to you for making it through to the end of this episode. It is a topic that is very close to my heart. And I really hope that you took some things away that you will start to apply today. And that's how change happens. And that, my friends, concludes our special episode, Sexuality and Mental Health for the My Possible Self podcast, which is no longer because season two is about to drop what we have completely rebranded the show. It's going to be called The Happier Life Project. We're going to be looking more at the everyday struggles that can affect somebody's mental health, such as letting go of negative old stories, relationship anxiety, feeling like a failure, you name it we intend to cover it. So look out for the Happier Life Project, which is going to drop on July 12th. If you're not already following us on the gram, we are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again to our incredible guests. Please do take care of yourselves and each other. Bye for now.